Good morning. If I haven't met you before, my name's Anthony and I'm a part of the ministry team here at York Street and it's my privilege to be sharing the message with you today. If you've been with us over the past couple of, of weeks, you'll, you'll know that we've been reflecting on what it means to be all in for God. How do we align our lives with, with that of Jesus and, and how do we prioritise those things in our lives for the, for the sake of the gospel? How can we be all in? Two weeks ago, Anne shared a message challenging us on who and what it is that we, we worship. Have we given our entire selves to God or do we reserve a part that perhaps we don't give over to him? Do we really allow Jesus, the authority, to be the Lord of our entire life? Are we all in, in our worship? And then last week, Pastor Tim shared that, uh, about what it looks like to, to use our gifts and our resources and most, most importantly our hearts to extend and grow the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Are we all in on God's mission? And so today, as we move towards Easter next weekend, we're going to look at the incredible gift that God offers us because we see time and time again through his word and through the movement of his spirit that in fact God is all in for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you, you see us and you know us. We pray that through your spirit today that that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word. That you would speak to us in a new way today. That we might have a fresh revelation of your peace and your purpose and of those incredible gifts and blessings that you offer us. Today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So who likes gifts? Now before you get too carried away, and if you think today's the day where the finance manager's lost his marbles and he's going to give out cars to everyone, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. Well, sadly, today's not that, that day. But yeah, who likes gifts? I wonder if you've ever received one of those emails, perhaps from a certain Nigerian prince, that, that offers you hundreds and thousands of dollars, if only you pay him first. See, we get a bit suspicious, don't we? We don't always trust a free gift. And perhaps in the context of Christmas or a birthday or a celebration, we, we receive and exchange gifts with, without too much thought. But, but when, when a gift is given to us without an agenda, without any expectation, we get a little bit uncomfortable. If I was to give you one dollar, you probably wouldn't value it that much. Yeah, cheers, mate. Big spender. Thanks for the gift. And you'd probably accept it okay too. You'd maybe put it in your pocket and you'd you'd move on with your life. But what if I gave you $100? Or $1,000? Or $10,000? At what point do you start to feel a bit uncomfortable? At what point do you say, actually, I I can't accept that. That's that's too much. So you might know that the sacrifice involved from me is the, the giver of the gift. Or maybe you know the impact that gift could have on your life and you can't get your head around it and it's too much to accept. I want to tell you a story about a gift that I received about three or four years ago. I had just finished some of my university studies and and the program that I completed uh, was a joint program between a university in Melbourne and a university in the United States. 
And throughout that program, I, I always had plans to go to the United States to be able to graduate um, at that other university as well. And so the time came where we had to decide whether that's what we were going to do. And my wife and I thought about it for a bit and, and prayed over it and realised that, in fact, we probably weren't in the best financial position to be able to do that at that time. And that was okay. I resigned to that fact. It didn't affect the qualification that I had just received, but, um, and I didn't need to be there to be able to accept it. A few weeks after that decision, I got a call from one of my, my closest mates. and He and his family live overseas, and we don't get to see them very often. But my mate gave me a call and, and shared with me that God had placed on his heart to, to pay for that trip for us. And not only for me, but for my wife to go, and my kids, if we could make that work. It goes without saying, my initial response was absolutely not. I couldn't possibly accept that gift. It would be multiple thousands of dollars and, and it was just too much. Over a series of weeks and months, my friend kept checking in. Have you booked those flights yet? Are you going to go on that trip? He assured me that it didn't need any repayment. And he considered it him being obedient to, to God's call for him to pay for it. And he encouraged me to seek and pray as to what I should do. And so I did that. And after a lot of prayer and consideration, and literally weeks and months later, I got to a place where I could accept that gift. We went on the trip and we had a great time. We accepted the award at the university. But, but what happened on that trip, and as a result of accepting that, that free gift, as a family, we started to reassess how we viewed money and our wealth. And God led us to a place where, as we were leaving for that trip, we put our house on the market. And then at the other end, as we were stepping off, we had to navigate how to, to sign contracts for the sale of our house from the opposite side of the world. And by doing that, we gained some, some freedom in our finances. Things weren't as, as tight anymore. But then a few months later, we found ourselves in the position that that I was able to step into God's call to, to accept a role here at York Street. I resigned from my corporate job of 15 years and, and without any financial pressure was able to walk into the role here, step into God's plan to have me serve here at York Street. And a very short and quick two years later, I'm now here telling you the story. Today we're going to jump into some well-known scripture uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to get them out. Uh, the words will be on the screen as well. We're going to have a look at Luke 15. And to add a bit of context here, Jesus is, is starting to make a name for himself. He's, he's shaking things up a bit. He's beginning, beginning to, to rattle a few cages. And the, the religious leaders at the time, we know as the Pharisees, they, they start to challenge him and start to question him. With all the, the style and grace that only Jesus could do himself, he rebukes them and shares with them in parables. And Luke 15 starts with a story of the lost sheep. It might be familiar to some of you today. It's about a shepherd who is willing to leave his flock of 99 sheep behind to go and pursue the one lost one. And then we see another parable about a lost coin, and it speaks of a woman who lights a lamp in her house to seek out and find her lost coin. Then we come to the third parable in this, in this chapter of Luke. And it says, Jesus continued, having just shared the other two parables. There was a man who had two sons. 
The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of my estate, your estate, rather. So he divided his property between them. Let's stop there for a sec. See, we need to understand the gravity of what's actually going on here. He's not asking for a handout. He doesn't just want a few bucks to go and hang out with his mates. He's asking his father to sell up everything to be able to give him his inheritance now. He's essentially wishing his father dead so he could cash in. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, including the inheritance, and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Not sure if you've heard of that saying, burning a hole in your pocket when you come into some money and you just need to get rid of it, you want to spend it and you want to get all the things. Well, that's this guy. He's squandering his money all over the place. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that those pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So we see he's gone from the, the, what he thinks is the heights of life, all the wealth and the stature and, and the cash to splash around, to the depths of life. Literally, life is in the pits. Tending to pigs, and remember in the Old Testament times, we know that pigs were the lowest of animals. They were, they were dirty, they were unclean, and they were detestable. And here's this guy not only looking after them, but living with them. He's gone from the top of the social food chain all the way to the bottom. From verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Yet here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he comes to his senses. He makes the choice to return to the father. He knows he doesn't deserve to be considered a son anymore, but just maybe he could be a servant of the father's household because then at least then he might have a small amount of money and he might be able to eat. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. See, he'd been looking. We learn from the narrative of the three parables that we've just had a chat about that, in fact, he'd been looking. He'd been searching and hoping every day that, that his son would return, looking in the distance. And then one day he comes. And the son's hungry and unclean and he doesn't have any shoes and he's covered in pig mess. <laughs> and here he comes wandering in, in his brokenness in his dirtiness, in his unworthiness. And the father recognises him in the distance. And he comes running, running to meet him. The father said to him, Father, I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father interrupts and he says, Quick, bring the best robe, calls out to his servants. Quing, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. And sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. 
See, we see the father doesn't condemn him, which we think he would almost be entitled to do. He doesn't judge him. He doesn't ask for his repayment. He just loves him. He doesn't see the mess the son's in. He sees beyond it. Sees beyond the brokenness and the dirtiness. And in fact, he covers it. He calls for a robe and covers the mess that his son has created. And not only does he forgive him, but he allows him back into the family. See, that's what the ring's about. The ring denotes his membership into the family. And so he gives him the ring. It's completely undeserved. The son himself didn't expect the reception he received. The robe, the ring, the sandals, they're all all the father's way of not only offering his forgiveness, but more than that. His overwhelming, undeserved grace. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called out to one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Anyone relate? So so the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, and you can tell the tone in which this is, is spoken. Look, after all these years I've been slaving for you, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. What? The older son's fuming. He's so angry. Why should his brother get all of this stuff when, when I've stayed here and worked hard? I've obeyed you. I've worked your farm. I'm the good son. I'm not sure if you can relate to, to this. If you've got kids, I know there's been times when I've, I've been disciplining one of our daughters and the other one rolls in and it's like, but I've been a good girl, haven't I, Dad? <laughs> like, yes, but maybe go and read Luke 15. <laughs> the scripture continues, My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So we we read this scripture and we can quickly identify with maybe either or both of the sons. Perhaps we see ourselves in the shoes or no shoes of the younger son. Perhaps we've, we've done something we're not proud of. Perhaps there's an area of our life that is a bit broken. Maybe we've spent all the wealth, whatever that looks like in our own context. Perhaps we've prioritised other things ahead of God. Or perhaps we're over here. We're the older son. We're feeling a bit ripped off. We're angry and resentful because we're too busy looking at what other people are doing and getting. We're jealous and we want our share. And how easy it is to fall into that trap of of pointing the finger at other people's failings when in fact that that same pride and that same arrogance is in fact just as much a barrier to the father as that other person's sins. See, both of the sons are just as lost as one another. They're they're both separated from the father just in, in different ways. 
the significance of this parable isn't so much about the actions of the son. They almost become irrelevant. It's all about the actions of the father. See, the father in the parable was, was all in when he came running to the son. He was all in when he wrapped his son in the robe and gave him the ring and sandals. But we see that he was also all in in the pigsty. He was all in when he went and pursued the son who wouldn't come into the house. He was all in when he gave the inheritance in the first place. In the same way, God's all in for you. He was all in when he created you in your mother's womb. He was all in when you were at school. He was all in at that birthday party when you got married, had kids. But more than that, he was and still is all in for you. In your brokenness, in those times you've cried, in those times you've had pain. Those times when perhaps we we sin against him. He was and is all in. And he was all in when Jesus went to the cross and died for you and me. See, whether you know him yet or not, he's all in. He's ready and waiting with the free gift. And he's searching every day, hoping that you'll return. He has the free gift, but we need to be able to accept it. See, we think that the free gift from God is our salvation, which it absolutely is. The forgiveness and mercy from what we deserve. But you know what? It's actually so much more than that. The gift is so much bigger. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to invite us into his house and spend time with us. He wants to love us. See, my mate who paid for the trip whilst we had a great time, it wasn't about the trip, it wasn't about the money, it was the fact that he cared so much that he would be willing to pay for it for us. We didn't deserve it, yet it completely changed the direction of our lives. But that gift had to be accepted. So your relationship start with, with Jesus starts in exactly the same way. Simply accepting the fact that we don't and won't have it all together. Like the younger son, but if we make our way back towards the father, all broken, all worthy, or unworthy, and humbled before him, he'll, he'll come running to find us. He's been searching every day. He wants to change the direction of our lives because he's all in for you and he's all in for me. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to all close your eyes. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And maybe today it's the first time you've ever prayed these words. Or maybe today you need to pray them again. You can pray it quietly under your breath. You can pray these words to God in your mind. Or you could just simply say, God, that's me. If you need to turn back towards the Father today, here's the opportunity. Let's close our eyes together and pray. 
Lord Jesus, I want to experience your incredible love today. I believe that you were all in for me when you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I accept I have made mistakes. And I come before you now in need of a saviour. And I'm inviting you to be mine right now. I accept your incredible gift today. Lord Jesus, hear my prayer. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me just now, there's, there's staff and leaders who would love to know how we can support you in that decision, how we can best pray with you and for you. And during this final song, if, if you feel compelled to come to the front, there will be people waiting who are willing to pray and support you. Or if that's a bit confronting for you, grab your phone and scan the QR code on the back of your seats. And this time when you fill it out, tick the box that says, today I dedicated my life to Christ. Or perhaps today was the day that I chose again to reprioritise God in my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you accept us just the way we are. No matter where we've come from today or, or where we're going this week, whether we're broken or whether we feel unworthy, that you come running after us. You pursue us and you have the greatest desire to find us where we're at. We thank you for the assurance that you are all in for us, that you offer us your grace and your mercy this day. Lord Jesus, we thank you for those that may have made a decision to follow you or who have returned to you today. We pray your blessing and protection on these ones right now. In your precious and wonderful name. Amen.